one thing that I've always told him, and this applies to sports and to um, academics as well, is you can't ever stop because when you stop, you fail. That is the one and only Tiki Barber. And this is Lean Green Dad Radio, episode 82. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. From sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Lean Green Dad Radio, the podcast that provides fuel for families. And now, here's your host, Corey Warren. Hey guys, how's it going? Hope you're having an amazing week. This is Corey, and if it's your first time hearing us, then thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me. We have a great guest today, that's for sure. Uh, My name's Corey, guys, and I'm a husband, a father of three, three kids under eight, actually, and a plant-based athlete. And each week I get to talk to some of the most inspiring folks that I can find to help keep me motivated to stay fit, eat healthy, and get the most out of life as a busy parent. Because for me, finding time to work out, make healthy quick meals, and spend quality time together can be really difficult when we overschedule ourselves. So my hope is that by me getting a chance to talk to some of these folks that you'll take away some quick tips or inspiration that will motivate you in your life to keep you and your family going strong. Now, All that said, folks, I said his name before, but in case you don't know who Tiki Barber is, New York Giants. New York Giants and Tiki Barber are totally synonymous. He was drafted back in 1997. He's a three-time Pro Bowl running back. This guy was smashing records in the NFL. He played 10 years with the Giants, and in that time, he was inducted into the Giants' ring of honor. Very rare air as far as the New York Giants are concerned. But today, it's life after football, right? It's daddy time, and he is a busy dad. And you'll hear when we talk to him, he has five kids and one on the way. That's going to be a total of six. Un. Believable. He's currently the co-founder and co-chairman of Thusio, which is a company that gives direct access to celebrities for high, you know, influencing brands and stuff like that. You'll hear more about it when we talk. But he also has nine children's books, and he's the director of an international shipping company. I would 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 you have guessed all of that? The thing is, is that Tiki Barber is brilliant. He's a smart guy. And uh, if you look at his football career and hear him talk about it, he always says that it wasn't his athleticism that made him kind of rise above the rest in the game of football. It was his intellect and his knowledge of the game and knowing what to do before the play happened and keeping going and keep pushing forward. You'll hear him talk about that too. Anyways, it was a super inspiring interview. I love talking to him. And I hope you'll love it too. So without any further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy an awesome talk with Tiki Barber from the New York Giants and now with Thusio. It's episode 82. Here we go, guys. All right, everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio, and today we've got a super special guest, very excited about this. So um, you know him from the New York Giants. How could you not? I mean, he was drafted back in 1997. He's a three-time pro bowler, and in his 10 years with the Giants, he just crushed it as a running back. 
He was inducted into the New York Giants Ring of Honor, but today he's the co-founder and co-chairman of Tuzio. He also has nine children's books, and he's the director of an international shipping company and so many more, but most importantly, he is a dad. A dad and a father to five wonderful kids. So with that, welcome to the show, Tiki Barber. Appreciate it, Corey. And in about three weeks, I'll be a dad to my sixth child. Holy cow. Keep up, man. I got my basketball team plus my sixth man. Oh, my goodness. Those last four girls, but that's okay. Oh, you know, I had to send a text to my friend Julian before our interview because I was like, okay, Julian, I can't keep track of exactly how many kids he has, and I don't want to misspeak. So you know you've got a lot of kids when you have to have someone double check the number. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. But they're all beautiful. And I gotta tell you, for for, for my friends who only have one or two and they say, God, you're crazy. As they as the more you get and the older that your oldest ones get, the easier it becomes. Because they truly take care of of each other. And I'm in a blended family. I'm divorced. Um, about five years ago and remarried and kids don't care. They just want to be loved and, and, and love their siblings. And it's been, it's been beautiful. It's been wonderful. So we're excited about number six. That's really just around the corner. Oh my goodness. You know, with, with us, we did, we had our first and it was great. And you know, you're never ready for the first. You're just never never. ready. (laughs) And then, so the first happens and the second comes along and you're like, I mean, the transition from one to two is a big one, but then from two to three, I kind of feel like, you know, everything's already crazy. And, you know, everybody says that man-to-man to zone defense thing. Yep. And that, that's totally true. But I feel like it's already crazy with two. Two to three, not a big deal. And then as you go up from there, is it the same thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. Because it's mayhem. And as long as you – it's really about the parents not letting the mayhem bother you. If you let it become frustrating, if you let it be the noise, it's like noise here and noise there and, and noise behind you and noise in front of you. If you let it inundate your senses, uh, that's when you start going crazy. But if you can just block it out and, and start to hear what's vital, like I'm hurt or I need something, then you actually can pre- stay pretty sane with, uh, with the chaos that goes on. Yeah, I'm bleeding or (laughs) watch out for huge bangs that like shake the foundation of the house. Like, all right, somebody hit their head. I know that was bad. Exactly right. Anyways. It's broke. I hope that I I hope it was a vase and not a knocking. (laughs) Oh, oh, goodness. All right. Well, listen, we we talked before the show. I I'm a huge football fan. I I watch football, but you've done so many football interviews in the past. I just wanted to talk about something different. And and one of those things I wanted to talk about is kind of selfish because I'm going through this right now, right? I am a vegan plant-based athlete. And for so long, I have been training in this super high cardio zone where my heart rate is up in the 160s, 170s, just banging it out on the training, training two, three hours a day at this level. And then now I've kind of switched it up. I've switched it up and I'm lifting heavy weights. I'm in the gym, uh, it feels weird not to be on a treadmill or not to go out and run, but those things are counterproductive to what I'm trying to do, which is add some serious muscle here. And so then we look at Tiki Barber here, and you were this bone-crushing running back that had to put on this weight for your power. And and now here you are, you're running marathons for wonderful causes like Culture City and so many other nonprofits that you've chosen to align yourself with. and. How has that been? I mean, 
it had to be a huge challenge from the short bursts to the, the long-distance stuff. Sure, it was enormously challenging. And when we talked about this before the show, I told you, you have the difficult transition because mm. powerlifting and deadlifting and, and squatting and, and clean and jerking and all those things takes technique. It's actually one of my problems with uh, this whole CrossFit movement because a lot of these kids want to get into it because it makes them look really good and they're, and they're actually really fit. But they're doing the techniques incorrectly, which often can lead to injury and, and, and sometimes even worse, uh, significant uh, f- uh, forever pain. And you never want that to happen. But I was young when I first started powerlifting. So as I got into college and into the NFL and I had to put on weight, my coach said, dude, you're too skinny. You know, if you want to play running back, you, you got to start lifting some weights. Ooh. But I knew the techniques. And so it was easy just to do the movement, right? It was, you know, I know it's 600 pounds. Just do the movement. I know I'm deadlifting 510. Just do the movement. Don't think about it. And I could let my mind um, take over uh, because my body was doing the technique correctly. Hmm. Transitioning to being a runner was hard. I was always a sprinter. I could go. I could run a forty f- fast as anyone. When I was, you know, nineteen years old, I ran it in four two eight, which is still a school record down there at the University of Virginia. Wow. Uh, and so power and burst was all I was about. But transitioning into a marathoner is difficult because y- your body and mind have to be in in line, and you often want to just go fast. That's all I want to do. Just go fast. As fast as I can go, I, I'm going to do that for an hour. Oh, okay. I, that, that was hard. I could do it for two hours. No, no, I can't. I can do it for three. No, I definitely can't. I can do it for four. There's no way in heck I could do it consistently for four hours. So learning to pace and not be urgent, which is exactly what you do when you're on the other side, when you're powerless, be urgent, right? Be quick, be explosive, be sudden. I had to, I had to deprogram that from my mind, and it was difficult. It's still difficult. I'm, it's, I'm still learning. I've been doing it for two and a half years now. Do you ever try to just do a sprint at the end? Do you save anything in the tank for the end so you can just like sprint so everybody's looking at you yes. at the end there? Yes. In the half marathons, yeah. I do that. The half marathons, I can. I've started to master a little bit. I, I, I just ran Brooklyn in an hour and fifty-three minutes, and Ooh. I felt strong at the end. You know, I was, I was struggling, but at the end, I felt I could kick. The marathon, I'm dead. I just, I'm walking in the end. I'm just trying to oh, finish. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's a brutal race that your body is just not built to do unless you're 130 pounds and, you know, Kenyan built, which I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, those guys always blow past me whenever I did any races. I, and I always loved the half marathons. The halves felt like, okay, this is good. I, I don't know if the human body is meant to run marathons no i don't think it is either and, and i always I'm, I'm trying to figure it out like i bonk at some point all the time mile 16 17 which for new york which i've run uh, twice already for cc sabathia and amber sabathia's pitch-in foundation as soon as i get to the queensboro bridge i'm strong I'm, I'm rolling i'm about two hours on the half i go over the half i hit the queensboro bridge and my body says nope you're done. You're, 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 you're cramping. Your hamstrings are going to lock up. Then your quads are going to go. And I can't figure it out. And I think it's fueling sometimes. I think it's you know hydration other times. And, but I've started to come to the realization that just my hamstrings were built for speed, for speed not for endurance. Um, but it's, still, it's worth it because of the causes, as you, as you mentioned earlier. And you get to raise a lot of money. I tap into my, my network of friends here in New York and, 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 and hit them over the head to help some, some great people do some amazing things. Hmm. Do you ever wonder about yoga do you ever try yoga as part of your training? i do 
I do do yoga. I do Bikram yoga, which is fantastic for me because of all of my years of playing football, obviously 10 years in the NFL, but then going back four in college and in high school, my joints are compromised, man. I mean, I, I tore my PCL in my right knee and I had laxity in my joint, which which put all these burns, burn, bone spurs in my knees. Uh, my shoulders are jacked up. So traditional yoga is difficult because of the poses, they're hard. But Bikram yoga is really about sustaining in the heat 105 degree room basic poses um but creating a stretching healing environment uh, in your joints and in your muscles so i do do yoga i just don't do it enough i think because as you know when you start training for an endurance performance you become obsessed with training right more so probably than you should yeah. Especially because I'm 40, 41 now, um, and my body's like, yeah, I don't recover that well after mm. running for two and a half hours. Well, the hardest thing is the recovery. I think whenever you're training for anything, it, part of it is just doing nothing. Like yes. even now, like I have a bicep problem and I can't figure out what it is and I've tried to work through it, but I have to take four days and not do anything right now to just heal it and continue icing. I mean, I don't think it's serious or anything, but it definitely hurts. So I'm taking it easy. I don't know. No, I'm not running in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm you don't just, actually need to put on 20 pounds and, just and trying to lift the sustain, car. sustain 30 car wrecks in a day like <laughs> no. I did on Sunday afternoon. Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I mean, you talked about Ray Lewis just pounding. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. Um, let's, let's talk about that eating and that fuel. So how important is nutrition for professional athletes? And then what role does it play in your life right now? Yeah, it's interesting. Early on in my career, it was it was all about calories. You're and, and you're young enough that you don't have to worry about hypertension or um, or you know your cholesterol levels. You just don't think about it, even though technically some guys do, but you don't because you, you're working out twice a day. You are you know sweating like crazy during training camp, and you're sole goal is to eat as many calories as you can. It doesn't matter what they look like, the steaks and the hamburgers and the, and, and pastas, any fat, it doesn't matter. You just need it all. And so for a lot of my career, that's what I would do. I'd go into camp and I'd have as much food as I could. About four years in, we, we got a nutritionist, um, Heidi Skolnick was her name, and she got really involved with our nutrition, right? All right, we're going to take blood tests. We're going to test your cholesterol. And it turned out and it's hereditary. I have high blood pressure, um, and I had a high cholesterol count. And so I said, Heidi, how is that possible? Right? There's, I mean, I'm in as good a shape as anyone I know. How how is that possible? She said, Sometimes it's just hereditary. So you have to start watching what you eat. So my son, all of a sudden, my meals at camp, I became much more aware of. So I was cutting back on the fat. I was eating salads with like uh, hearts of palm and artichoke and all these people, these guys, the guys in the, in the training room were like, what the hell are you eating? Right? Oh no. What? Are you serious? Are you like, you like turn into a vegetarian? I'm like, no, I have to eat these things. And, and so midway through my career, I had to become very aware because of family history. Now, when I retired, it was it was it was very different because your diet wants to stay the same. Like you still want to eat the same, but what you realize is you're not working out nearly as much, if at all. Um, I was a little bit, but not a ton. Running is what got me into the right diet because I would come home after having, I don't know, a, a like a Snickers or a Twix uh, in the middle of the day, and I just feel lethargic. 
Like I was like, I just wanted to take a nap. And it was, you know, it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. I just want to lay down. Uh, my the, the sugary drinks, all that stuff. And so I started researching uh, diets for runners. And they tell you high in fiber, um, you know, high in complex carbohydrates, low, keep the sugars low. And I consciously started eating different and snacking different. So wheat thins instead of chips and dip and things of that nature. And amazingly, in about two weeks, I felt like a different person. Right? I, I would I would get up and go for a run. I'd come and sit down and, and feel energized, right? As opposed to I need to take a nap. And so I've I've come to realize that as much as we as young men and women, but men think that it doesn't matter, it really does matter what you put into your body because that's what fuels you. And if it's if, if it's bad fuel fueling you, it may be uh, you know, okay, but the, the, the downstream effect is going to, you're going to feel it in a negative way. If you're fueling yourself with good things, the downstream effect, as well as the, you know, an exercise effect is going to be nothing but positive. Yeah. You don't put 87 octane gasoline in a Lamborghini. Exactly. Right? And that's exactly what, that's exactly what we do as young athletes, because we think it doesn't matter. I can go to McDonald's every day, right. you know, and, and you can't. Yeah. I, I love what John Sally's preaching now. John Sally, I mean, you know, he's vegan too. And he talks about the vegan wine company that he has and stuff like that. But he's the one that made that comparison. You know, he's seeing all these NBA stars going out and you know buying mcdonald's one dollar mcdonald's and uh they're like come on man your your body's better than that you can do better than that and you know whether you choose to eat meat or not it's just about high quality stuff you know um even even just being aware if you do choose to consume meat like where's it coming from um is it is it grass-fed things like that so you know those things are very important oh my little girl says hi hello How are you? She got these glasses. These are all style. This is style. Those are not prescription, Tiki. How much did you get for your teeth? At least how much did you get for your teeth? Right. Oh, I got a lot. You got a lot. Okay, he can't really hear. Well, he can hear you, but you can't hear. Okay. I love you. Good night. Sleep tight. Bye. Take your glasses, please. Okay. Thank you. Shut the door for me. Thank you, love. Bye. Daughters are amazing. Oh my God, that's my oldest. She is incredible. Incredible. Daughters are amazing. Um, okay. Uh, we're talking about that. Okay. We're talking about John Sally and vegan stuff and food. Um, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, the quality of meat that you consume and the, the quality of food that you consume, all that is just so vastly important when you're, when you're thinking about athletic performance, especially. Yeah, of course you have to. And you're lucky when you're, when you're competitive when you're competitor professionally, because you can trust that that's going to get taken care of. Um, or you can at least suggest it uh, for those who are conscious of what they're putting into their bodies. It gets very difficult when you're not a professional athlete and you have to do it on your own. Because as you were alluding to with some of these professional athletes going to McDonald's, they go to, they go to McDonald's or, or other fast food restaurants because it's easy. It's quick. Like You're starving. Right? You know that you need to eat something and you don't have the patience to wait for something healthy to be prepared for you. And so planning something that is as simple as writing a schedule is, is, is a solution to that. You know, I know I'm going to get – because it's happening. You do it every day, right? You live your life every day. I know at this point I'm going to be 
starving for something, let me have a snack available. Or I know that when when I get home, dinner, whether it's your wife or you go somewhere, you have to plan. Uh, otherwise, it gets very difficult to fuel yourself properly without cheating. Now, you can cheat. You just can't cheat for every meal, which I think is what we're talking about. Totally, yes. And I, that whole thing about like there, there is no perfect. Like if you tell yourself I'm never going to have chocolate chip cookies yeah, and that's yeah, your favorite thing, come on, yeah. man, don't do that to yourself. I tried, I tried to cut out french fries. That was my <laughs> that was my thing when I when I was going to run the first marathon. I said I am no – because that is my poison or it's my I, – it's my vice. If they are sitting there, even if they're not mine, I'm like, do you want those french fries? I'm going to eat them. And so uh, I tried to cut it out and it – you know, I did it for about eight months. I had no French fries, and it was awesome. Now I'm, I, I, I reward myself uh, sometimes. Do you get them like you know fresh cut, or does it matter? Doesn't matter. No, French doesn't fries matter. are French fries. It's, okay. just, it's French fry. I know they're bad. It's so it doesn't matter. <laughs> fresh cut or deep fried or it, it's all bad. Yeah. Or or, or or putting pig lard. It's just <laughs> they're French fried. Yeah, oh, I know that's come. really disgusting. <laughs> um, okay, so transitioning to our kids and and everything, what? And, and this is, gosh, you're, you're sixth coming up here. What What is the most important lesson that you want to instill in your kids as a father? What What is that one thing that you practice that you you know that they're observing and recording every single day that that you want to instill in them as yeah, they grow into it? It's, it's easy. And I had this issue with one of my sons a little bit ago where he got frustrated with the class. And he's doing well in the class. And it's, this translates to sports as well, but I'll give you the, the academic uh, application for it because that's what my mother always stressed to me. But he was struggling in a class and doing well, but struggling. And he was frustrated and he just stopped trying, like stopped doing his homework um, because he didn't want to. And so the one thing that I've always told him, and this applies to sports and to um, academics as well, is you can't ever stop. Because when you stop, you fail, right? And my mom used to always tell me, if you never stop trying, if you if you attempt something and you fall down, you don't make it, but you get up and you try again, you actually never fail. And so figuring out a way how not to fail, because it happens to all of us on every walk of life, whether it's sports or education or life or marriage, uh, whatever it may be, you are going to fail. But finding a way to keep trying and, and picking yourself back up as cliche clicheish as that is 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 what is the only thing I want my kids um, uh, to take away from from me as an athlete uh, and as a, and as a man. Um, they've done so many studies, uh, both empirical and anecdotal, about kids who graduate high school and then go on to college. And it's not always the kids that get it right away that are the ones that are going to you know up the graduation rate from college. It's those that are trying hardest they, they refuse to, to quit even if they're not the smartest ones uh, in the classroom in high school they're the ones that ultimately make it through to college and that 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 those lessons and that data I think is is telling um, because look at successful people all over the world so many of them have failed um, have tried something have risked uh, greatly and failed yet they got back up and tried again and many of them are billionaires and so I think it's it's a lesson for sports, but it's really a lesson for life, and and that's that's the one thing I hope my kids take away from me when it's all said and done. In addition to being an amazing father, you also support so many wonderful charities, and one of those is Culture City that you and I feel so fondly about. And um, oh, the Mahas are amazing. Yes, I, I literally 
cannot say no to them, Corey. I really can't. <laughs> it's like, hey, can you run the Boston Marathon in eight weeks? Right? You haven't trained. You haven't done anything. Can you run this in eight, eight weeks uh, and raise $10,000 for Culture City? You know what, Michelle? Of course. Of course. <laughs> And I, and I did it, and it was it was miserable, especially uh, Heartbreak Hill, where I basically walked up the second half of it. But we did it, and I felt accomplished, and I felt proud. And when we put out um, some of the the pictures and the accomplishment on social media and Facebook and et cetera, there were so many families that responded and were thanking us for raising awareness, uh, creating a, a, a culture of uh, acceptance for kids with autism and other developmental disabilities. And so... I, I know that when Julian and Michelle ask me to do something, it's it's going to have a, an enormous reach far past anything that I could have imagined. Um, and and you never know what's going to be created next. Because Michelle and I uh, ran um, the Boston Marathon, we started thinking, about how can we expand this? And we decided to create KC Fit. It was literally a conversation. Let's do KC Fit and encourage kids, uh, kids in, this, in our community to be fit. Um, even if you have a disability that some people says should limit you. And so the the evolution of Culture City has been amazing. It started with partnerships um, with, with, with local businesses, and then it's grown to reaching out to families in every corner of this country, including my best friends and his son, uh, Chris and Mason, uh, who, who was diagnosed with autism three years ago. That's how I kind of got um, – um, uh, not dragged in because that that just makes it sound uh, too uh, demeaning. But that's how I got inspired. Uh, yeah, inspired in to this community because people always ask, "Oh, you have a kid with autism?" I don't, I don't. But my best friend does, and I live it vicariously through him. But then seeing the passion and the and the and the uh, drive of what Julian and Michelle are trying to do just it makes me want to be a part of it. Me too. And the same thing, you know, I don't my children do not suffer from autism and people are always like why are you working with an autism awareness uh, organization if your kids don't have autism i don't get it and i'm like exactly that's exactly yeah. because it's not for the families that have autism this is to spread awareness and acceptance exactly. for these these conditions and if if you don't I'm the exact audience. I'm the audience that needs to understand what these families are going through. And if I can spread awareness through being a supporter, a vocal supporter, then I'm happy to do that. And yeah, so I'm exactly the same way. And then it's amazing how many people you come across who are affected that you didn't know about, um, that, that realize that you're trying to make a serious difference in creating uh, a, a whatever the ceiling is. The ceilings existed forever for for African Americans, for women. It, it certainly exists for kids with developmental disabilities. Well, this is going to be the only thing that you're going to be able to do. Type of conversation that ceiling needs to be broken through. But the only way it will is if those who aren't affected uh, by autism can see past the diagnosis or or the, or the word uh, autism and realize that some of these kids are unbelievable. I mean, heads and heels smarter than some people you've ever known. They just don't communicate it correctly. So finding that communication pathway is what the struggle is. But once you find it, it's 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 wide open and the world is their oyster. It's the truth. It's the truth. Uh you know, I'm going out to do the Culture City Ball, and I talked to you about that. And that I don't really do that many speaking engagements and, and traveling around all, all over the place. 
But you, on the other hand, you are traveling and speaking and presenting. How do you juggle it? How do you juggle being a, a present father and being able to, to travel? Is, is like Skype yeah. your best friend with the kids? Yeah. Like, do you well, read? That and, well, FaceTime and everything else. It's how, I, it's how I keep in touch. And, you know, my, my reality changed when I got divorced five years ago. And my kids had to adjust to a new normal. Um, and we agonized. I know I agonized about what it's going to be like. Right. My, I think my, my boys were, because they were, they were pretty young, very distraught because they at first thought they weren't ever going to see me again. Mm. You know, parent gets, parents get divorced. Oh, I'm not going to see dad anymore. And it was, it, it took some convincing and really just readjusting for them to realize, okay, this is mom's house and this is dad's house and we can see dad whenever we, we want to. And it's, and it's become one of those things where um, the communication through digital uh, whether it's on the telephone, really FaceTime, because they don't talk on the, they don't like to talk on the phone. They like to see; it's all visual for right, them now. Right. Um, or text messages, or Snapchat, or whatever the, whatever the heck uh, the newest thing is going to be, has become the way you communicate. And then you feel like there's there's a bridge between those away times. And so when I have to travel for work or uh, for Culture City, it's it's kind of like the normal. It's kind of like the norm. Now, could I imagine living my life like that when I was growing up? There's no chance because none of it existed. You had to be at a phone um, and someone else had to be at a phone on the other end. And if you missed it, it was a waste of, you know, whatever, $5 to make a long distance call. You know, nowadays it's so easy to communicate that I think uh, families like mine and, 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 and dads with busy schedules like mine um, actually don't miss that much, at least not as much as you used to. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, before we go, tell me about uh, – now, is it Tuzio or Thuzio? Because Thuzio. Okay. Thuzio. Uh, Think of the word enthusiast. Okay. We, we realized when we launched that everyone is an enthusiast of something. It's just finding a way to tap into that enthusiasm and truly to make a connection with that uh, enthusiast. Now, that was Thuzio 1.0. If you were a big fan of – I don't know, whoever, whoever it may be. Um, Justin Timberlake or whatever. Justin Timberlake. And you wanted to find a way to connect with him, it, unless you knew his agent and then and his manager, and you had to negotiate and figure out how much it would cost and where he was and all these things that he was really associated with. It would take forever. We, uh, in a sense, created a marketplace for all of that data and the transaction to transpire. But in 2016, as the world has moved to digital influencers, that's the catchphrase in the marketing world right now, um, or, 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 or athletes are influencers, or musicians are influencers, or uh, celebrity chefs, uh, the PewDiePies of the world, the, um, I don't I can't even think of who, all, all the list of them. There's 50, 60, 100, 100,000 of them. The guy who puts up YouTube videos of playing video games or Twitch stars uh, nowadays, uh, those, those type of people, brands want to connect with, both small brands and the enormous brands, Coca-Cola, Fortune 500s, etc. And understanding how those connections um, uh, take place is what Thuzio does. We, 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 we find where they're locally relevant, what they're associated with, you know, what they like to do, what previous campaigns they've done, and then we we pair them with brands. And it's create it's it's this business that's evolving, as we are evolving. And uh, I think I'm lucky in life because I partnered with the right person. 
um, a gentleman by the name of Mark Gerson, who has a company called the Gerson Lamont Group, which is the largest collection of experts in the world. And Mark literally knows everybody. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just knows everybody. And in fact, I met him because I went to school with his brother. The value of the relationships that you know sometimes feel significant, sometimes feel insignificant, but as long as they're strong and bonded, uh, can can create wonderful things. That's what Thusio. That's how Thusio was founded, and it's like my sixth baby, soon to be my seventh baby, um, because it's I'm, we were six people in the basement of a townhouse just trying to figure out how to connect former athletes with people in their communities, and now we have sixty or almost sixty employees. Uh, we have. Thusio Executive Club with their networking events with with great talent. I think Roger Clemens or Lawrence Taylor, etc. In five cities, and we have some major clients on our Thusio 360 side. So it's exciting uh, to be a part of something um, as an entrepreneur, especially um, after spending my first part of my professional life getting my head beat in for a living. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it really is. And if you go to the website, I mean, it's just Thusio.com. Yeah, yep. check it out. It's really wonderful. And uh, I just want to give you a second to definitely talk about that. Um, hey, where can we follow you? Everybody, everybody knows your name, but yes. what are, what are the social handles so we can make sure that we get everybody to follow you? Yeah, the the easiest one is as at Tiki Barber, which is on Twitter. Um, I also have a Facebook fan page, which is the same, facebook.com slash Tiki Barber, and in LinkedIn. LinkedIn is if you if you're interested. Um, in enthusio, that's where a lot of our content lives. Um, it's I know it's just recently purchased by Microsoft, and who knows what they're going to do with it. But um, LinkedIn is it's it's a business curated um, discussion with mostly like-minded individuals. So a lot of the data and, and, and commentary I put out on is is mostly on LinkedIn. Nice. Well, we'll make sure to put all that in the show notes. And uh, Tiki, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us. It's been great having you on, and uh, I look forward to meeting you very, very soon. Yeah, most certainly, Corey. It's, a, it's been a pleasure. And uh, and good luck with your strength and conditioning training. I love that. I love that. You make me kind of miss it. <laughs> all right, guys. What's going on? It's Corey back in the studio. Thank you so much for making it through another episode of Lean Green Dad Radio. But hey, don't let your experience end here. Visit us online at leangreendad.com. There we've got a lot of different things, including our three-part free grocery shopping series. You can go check that out, and uh, all you have to do is just pop your email in. We will send you our three free videos. I tour your Whole Foods Market and uh, show you all the healthy things that I buy to keep my family going strong, and uh, hopefully they will help you as well. So check that out. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube, of course. And until next time, my friends, keep going that extra mile for your family, and we will see you next week. See you later, guys.